Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Survive and Thrive, a podcast that brings you stories and perspectives on how in changing times, leaders and organizations can not only transform to survive, but also thrive. I'm your host, Jennifer Ayers, and with me today is my co-host, Lisa Inslee. Quickly, as a recap before Lisa and I jump into conversations around the future of work, Last season, we focused on change management and helping our listeners understand how to positively influence the change they want to see in their organization, how to minimize disruption, and even normalize the concept that change is usual. In this season, our fourth season, we hope to focus on some important aspects facing many organizations today regarding the subject around the future of work. How can organizations create a sense of belonging, navigate leadership in a hybrid workplace, proactively foster diversity, consider things like personalized employment, and really help their employees connect to purpose and work. And so we plan to do this by exploring central topics around creating healthy culture and how that can make the future of work even more impactful. We'll talk to various leaders and provide our own perspectives on what's happening out there, what other companies are doing, stuff that we're finding out, how we're helping clients, and, well, all of us are trying to unleash the magic in our organizations. So more on that in this season. Lisa, thank you so much for joining me today. It's exciting to have you back for our listeners. Lisa has joined on a couple of our previous podcast episodes, and she's really smart, so it's fun to listen to her. Why don't you give just a brief intro, Lisa, a quick soundbite to remind our listeners a little bit about your background. Thanks for having me again, Jen. I'm excited to be here. Thanks for the kind intro. I've been a partner here at Consinity for about a year, although Jen and I go back much further than that. My background is predominantly in software and digital product management. And I continue to explore that space with Consinity through helping our clients be more focused on creating human-centric experiences. So that might mean putting their workforce, their people at the center of creating a great employer people experience. It could mean putting consumers, patients, healthcare professionals, et cetera, at the center of a, a service or a product experience they provide. So there's a lot of room in there for us here at Consinity to help leaders. I'd love to just take a brief step back for our listeners. There's probably a number of people out there who have heard at least have heard of customer experience, maybe some subset of that have heard of employee experience and or patient experience. And then even a smaller subset might have heard of this notion of a human experience. So walk us through a little bit about, uh, walk us through that evolution a little bit, or maybe just help illuminate for our listeners. What do we mean when we talk about anything related to this experience? Sure. So there's been many recent and not so recent trends around customer experience, putting the customer at the center, very recently putting people or employees at the center with employee experience and people experience. That's been a a trend over the past five years or so. At the end of the day, for us, human experience means acknowledging people in all of the different roles or capacities that they exist within, even for ourselves, Jen and I. I mean, we work at Consinity. That's our day-to-day. We're employees, we're patients, we're consumers. We have more of a spectrum of roles that we occupy and human experiences addressing the whole person. 
from whichever aspect you're impacting them from. So it's really thinking about people holistically, not just as a singular entity that you're serving in a a singular way. So it's really about understanding as an organization, that organization's relationship to the employee, that, that internal individual, to a customer, perhaps, to that patient that they're providing service to, perhaps, or even to the vendors or partners that they might need to engage in order to deliver those products or services. So it's a, sort of considering that whole ecosystem. Is that a fair, brief description uh, for a, a less intelligent mind like myself? That is a fair, succinct description. And I think a key example or data point out there is research that shows an engaging employee experience and and high ratings from your workforce in the employee experience aspect often leads to better business outcomes. So directly focusing on creating a great workforce or employee experience within your organization will show up in how you show up for the people that you're serving, the people who are paying you for whatever it is you offer to the world. I love it. Coming back to maybe the aspect of the employee experience, one of the things that we are talking about a lot with our clients is creating a healthy work environment, creating a compassionate and compelling culture to want to be involved in, fostering a sense of belonging in work, discussing what that future workplace looks like. And I know that you and I have talked about this evolution of the hybrid workspace, something that we actually hit on our one of our first episodes in this season. And there's some interesting research that's come out that I think might be worth sharing with our listeners around what matters about a hybrid workplace or providing employees flexibility with regards to remote work. Absolutely. So the Future Forum just published their annual Pulse Report. I think it's annual. And one of their key findings, and I found this rather refreshing, was that the debate around remote versus office is over and the way forward is hybrid. And they acknowledge that a majority of the responses to the people that they asked for information from said that they had already shifted their knowledge workers to working in a hybrid model. The other thing that they found was that it's really more about flexibility, this this discussion about where you're going to work. So it's not so much, do we need to be in the office? Can we be remote? It's really about employees asking for flexibility, both in when and where they work. And so that, I think, is an important nuance for an employer, for an organization. You really have to step back and figure out what type of flexibility you can provide that's viable for your business, but is also valuable for the people that are working in your organization. I get really excited about thinking of it in that way because it reminds me of what can be done in a product leadership capacity or in a product management capacity, which is where I come from, where you're always looking to find that nexus of customer value with business value. So like, what's the overlap? And and that's what I think this report is saying to me. You need to look at what the overlap can be with your business. So what's going to create value for your business and what can you do to support the needs of your employees? And that is all coming down to figuring out what flexibility could mean for them and for your organization. 
Totally. I think given the world that we're in where I don't know that anybody anticipated the full spectrum of consequences by accelerating our technologies to be able to be accessed 24 by 7, we're in a world where there's very few examples where someone can't be reached by some kind of device somewhere <laughs> somewhere in the world, uh, even developing countries where individuals might not be able to have fresh water, have an iPhone um, in some cases. So I think flexibility is an interesting topic to really explore. And we talked about it a couple of episodes ago that there have been some additional studies that found that in the workplace, in a survey of around 9,000 workers in different countries, Slack found that only 13% prefer to work from home all the time if given the choice. Conversely, 12% said they wanted to be in an office setting. Basically, 72% of the workforce preferred some kind of hybrid remote office model. And a PwC survey found that 72% of workers wanted to work remotely for at least two days a week, even if there was an office available that was an option. So We're seeing over time that this is something that employees are sticking by because even back in 2017, companies that allowed remote work saw a 50% decrease in resignation. We noted that the Owl Lab survey also found that 74% of workers are less likely to leave a company if remote work is an option. So while a lot of these surveys and research and statistics are focused on this notion of the hybrid remote work structure, I think really what it is getting to and pointing to is this need for employees to feel that they have some sense of flexibility to author or script their work effort to be able to do what they need to do in the time and space that they can deliver it with some kind of guardrails or or guidance from leadership, obviously. So I think it's very interesting to illuminate some of the research that you've uncovered. And the guardrails that you just mentioned that need to be set by leadership are actually a really critical part of the transformation for any organization. Lattice did a state of people strategy report in 2021, and the greatest hybrid workplace challenges for employees that they reported on were that 48% of respondents said employees were feeling disconnected from the organization, 39% were struggling with communication with team members and other employees, and 36 found an inability to create separation between work and personal life. Addressing those challenges ultimately are the responsibility of the leaders and the people managers in the organization to really evolve to this new way of working. And that's where organizations are going to need to invest in helping their leaders upskill and learn how to lead teams in a new environment. And making sure not to point fingers or ask questions that make the leaders feel as if they're not capable of doing their jobs. It's really when the performance might not be as good as it could be, but really helping them also transition through this moment to provide their teams what they need to be successful. So I think there's going to be a lot of learning and development needs on the, on the organizational side, not just for the individual contributors, but also first line people managers and leaders of leaders. Love that point. And. On that, why don't we plan to hit this topic specifically in an upcoming conversation, Lisa, where we can explore and maybe provide some ideas for our listeners around what can you do to help nurture the 
organization as they're trying to transition to a more flexible model with their future of work program. So it isn't really just about, hey, now everybody has Zoom and good luck. There's a lot of work that needs to go into creating a framework for individuals to be successful in that kind of environment and feel that they have the flexibility and the support needed and the tools needed to really do what they need to do for the organization. So I'd love to maybe wrap it up here for today and then let's come back and we can explore more specifically how can organizations think about preparing for creating a better flexible environment. What does that mean? What does that look like? Love it. Looking forward to it. Awesome. Well, thank you everyone for listening and joining our episode of Survive and Thrive podcast. Remember at Consinity, we empower the conscious leader to realize positive and sustainable change. Until next time, don't just survive, thrive. Take care.